Yeah. So when you talk about my, my friend Johnny, Yonis and Binyamin Hakoyim, um, as I said, Yishikeni Yonis and Yishikeni Hashem, Menashikas Piyu, Kitavim Deidecha Meyoyin, as someone who learned with the person, uh, again, we would spend hours learning. Uh, again, Beli Guzma, we would spend hours learning um, whenever he came to my house. We probably learned till about 5.30 every morning. Uh, and it wasn't just, oh, let's go weiter. It was like, what does Ricky Vega mean? What's going on here? It was almost like, um, you know, the, the most the, the most in-depth analysis, um, going back and researching. Um, it was what you see, you know, the most romantic, exciting learning that I've ever had in my life uh, was with this fellow. And um, through him, really, you know, I've, I've, I've never had a chavrusa like him since then, and I think my learning has, has suffered a lot uh, because of that. So, as I say, it was his yard side yesterday, going uh, in his, in his, in his mind and his heart, uh, he really wanted the oratory of Hashem, he loved other wisdoms too, it was important to him when he was able, uh, to, um, to get his Latin, uh, he, he took a course in Latin when he was in his late 30s, early 40s. Uh, he went to Brooklyn College and he mastered Latin, uh, and he did very well on his tests. And he was able to read works in Latin. Uh, it meant a lot to him of the wisdom that he understood things. He he did not like walking around being an ignoramus <coughs> about the scientific world and the world in general. And that's what I said. The other. Um, uh, the other goblets of the menorah that have that represent the other wisdoms. Nefesh Nitko Nebuch. He was a. He was a. He was unfortunately a soul that was pushed down um, and and felt a lot of pain. His own mother died. He found her dead when he was eleven years old. Um, he had to take care of his brothers. He was the oldest brother. Um, he was a person who dealt with depression. Uh, but it all came with the with the with the yoke of his desire, of his urgings, of his of his incredible want to understand and and, and blend and and really be part of the wisdom of the world. Amkusay Hamufla, his his depth was outstanding, and if you hear his uh, YouTube Shiurim Bemesek Hasbero, the sweetness of his explanations, Ben uh, again, his petir was uh, 11 years ago yesterday. What's I, his what? Reb Johnny. Reb Johnny. R E B J O H N N Y. Is she Johnny Reb? Johnny Reb will get you somebody else. I might get yeah. I mean, uh, that's from my that's from my neck of the woods too. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they might get you some, might get you some interesting truck flaps. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But 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 Dara, I will. But for Benyamin, a pasuk in Tilim, sasti The thing that made him most happy, because believe me, he he needed nothing. He just walked around with his backpack or with a with a suitcase. I gave him many suitcases, and he just traveled from you know at the end of his life, he would just hang out by people's places and sit and learn with his notebooks, and that's all he needed. Um, and uh, what he needed was basically understanding Torah and mitzvahs. And um, he was uh, a person that I used to say that, uh, that I'm just part of the steamroller club because everybody who knew him said he would jump under a steamroller for him because he was so loved. Everybody wanted to speak with him in learning. 
So anyway, his 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 death was a terrible, terrible uh, left a terrible vacuum in my heart, and I think in the entire world in general because he really could have been one of really the big people. I should also mention, of course, I just read that this morning. I got the paper this morning, and I'm sure all of you read. Also, we have to mention the the Ptira of the Pesach Adar, um, Rav uh, Rav Nissen Karelitz, and we of course gave some shurim and mitzvahim. In the future, we'll dedicate some more shurim for him. Okay, a lot of akdama, providence moving. Uh, feeling the death of Moshe. So this quote, Providence Moving, um, is a very famous quote. Um, uh, you might have heard it before. Um, it was W.H. Mitchell. People think it was actually... Oh, W.H. Murray, I'm sorry. People think that it was actually Goethe who quoted it. But this is a quote that it's probably one of the most... If you, if you take any of these words and you put it in a search engine, you probably get, you know... You know Thousands and sixty thousand hits. Um, this was uh, W. H. Murray, who was actually uh, who had suffered under as well. Take a look at this quote. We put down our our, our passage money, um, uh, booked the sailing to Bombay. This may sound too simple, but is great in consequence. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, chance to draw back, always in effectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there's one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence with a capital P moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would have come his way. That was written in 1951. It's been published and republished and give, put in the introduction of, of books and people's epitaphs. Basically what it means is, is that we create the reality with our initiative and our commitment. Providence, we all be, again, if you believe in God, if you believe in a greater power, that greater power reacts to our commitment. When we commit, then providence moves to, and amazing things can occur. All sorts of things occur to help that one would never otherwise have occurred. Now, providence, of course, depends. I guess if you want, you could view it as, you know, like fate and nature. But providence, of course, is God. Providence is God who is providing, the, the, right, the provider, the siyata, the shmaya. What this means, and again, you'll see what this connection is, because this principle, I think, was developed by the Sfasemis, and then later by Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, who I was zocha to get a bechena from, to get into Mir Yeshiva, uh, in a way that is mind-blowing. And it's mind-blowing, and it has to do with, with our topic, which is feeling the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, Isn't this just basically, you know, well, it's a lot more than that. And you'll see in a minute. You're right. This quote in itself, Yankee, could just mean, look, decide to do something and do it, and God will, right. But how much can you do? What is, what is the, I, I guess the... I, I'm, I'm just what, wondering why this is, you know, this is, you know, this is Right, but where is it, in other words, but what, good. That's the shot. You're right. Chazal b'der shadam ratzayach malich hanaisai. You're going to see a little bit more in the svasemis, and you're going to see a little bit. I think a lot more from Rav Chaim Shmulevitz. It's interesting that with everything that's available online, I, I searched high and wide. I'm sure all of you have. Elena, you have this book. My daughter, who went into brewery, had to buy this, 
as a textbook, the Sichas Musr of Chaim Shmulevitz. I couldn't find it online anywhere, not in Hebrew books, not in Oitzer or Chochma. I don't know why. And girls in the brewery will learn that. Yeah, it's great. It, 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 you, you, you used it too, right? It's a great saving. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, it's interesting again. So, I'm going I'm to. I'm going 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 to. The Rashiva of Mir, Chaim's uh, father-in-law, was uh, was uh, again the Rebbeizer Yudel. Rebbeizer Yudel Finkel's son had died somewhat young. Rebbeizer Yudel Finkel died, I think, in sixty-one or sixty-two, um, which sort of made his son-in-law Rebbeizer Shmulevitz the Rashiva, and his son Rebbeizer Yudel's son Rav Chazap. Uh, you look up what the Chazayin means. I'm for Chaim Zalman. I'm forgetting exactly. Again, uh, please, I beg, Mechil, you take a look at yourself. Rav Chazap was the Mashkiach. When Rav Chazap died, they said, who's going to give the Musr Shmuzim? Who's going to give? That's so important. Mir was a Musr Yeshiva. Who's going to give Musr Shmuzim? Well, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz was known as the Ili Otsun. That's what he was. He was the he was the Ili. It's the Shiner Eli. That's what he was known as. Rav Shimon Shkop, I mean, Rav Shimon Shkop is considered the, the Spitz intellectual of Talmudic thinking. And Rav Chaim was his Talmud Muvak, who actually helped write many of the Maimorim in Mareches HaKinyonim, which is one of Rav Shimon Shkop's most difficult works. So he was a Talmud of Rav Shimon Shkop in Grodna, and he was a, uh, an Eli Otsa. Um, and uh, he married into the Finkel family, and he was sort of called into duty in order to become the Mashkiach to give Shmuzim. That's not what he was about. He was he was about giving Lamdish Shashurim. When I was there, his son-in-law, of course, was Rav Nochem Partsovich. Rav Nochem Partsovich was almost the opposite of his father-in-law. Rav Nochem Partsovich was not an evilly awesome. He was the most intense worker on the shot that would be possible. He, 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 would, he would circle a Rashi and feel it and extract it and develop it to a point that it was like, like a work of art. His Rashi, his Teisvis, whereas his father-in-law was about 20 steps ahead of almost anybody. He was thinking and connecting and again, most people in the yeshiva gravitated because we're, stu- we're not as smart as him. We gravitated towards Rav Nochem Partsovich because Rav Nochem Partsovich was able to teach you how to learn, how to think, how to put stuff together. More about the mechanics. And, and to see incredible aspects of those mechanics. Because, because of his carefulness, because of his like bulldog biting onto the pshat, you would see things in Rashi you didn't think you knew. And then he would be able to show you from the Rishonim how, what the real understanding was. That was Rav Nochem Partsovich, and that's why he was so well-loved. His father-in-law, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, well, at the end of his life, he was suffering from throat cancer, and because of, from tongue cancer, I'm sorry, and because of that, which I think came from smoking, I, I think there was something about smoking that came from, so I, it remains, like, that's, I remember when I first uh, met him, you know, his son-in-law brought me in, and he said, like, do you think we should take this guy, you know? 
So his son-in-law says, "Yo, this is Yitzchak Ezrachi. Zera fight a bocha. What's what's his name? My grandfather's happy. Berkovich from Philadelphia." Ah, very rich from Philadelphia. And then the Rebbitson says, Philadelphia, you're, you're, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Philadelphia, okay. I'm just happy I'm here. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to tell him it's not Philadelphia, it's not Verkovich. But anyway, so the Chaim Shalevin says, yeah, I guess. Send him to Rav Nochem. Go send him to Rav Nochem. Of course, Rav Nochem took me apart. Whew. Rav Nochem, I prepared the whole night of my own original uh, shtikel on, um, on on Psochem, on Arve Psochem. I had a whole thing worked out. Again, I was only 17 years old, and I was very proud of myself. I was able to work this thing out. This machlekes, the Rashi, and, uh, between the Rashbam and the Rashi, the way it's printed there, and the Tesvis. What was it about? I'm sorry for the title, but how the Manishtana works, like the how the Shai, like the Manishtana. So he says to Rav Nochem, says to me, this is what happens when you come in late. He says, so he says, because I have a whole thing prepared. So he says, um, he says, so I said, I said, what are you going to speak about? So I said, okay, I'm going to speak about the Manishtan. He says, he says, I don't, no. he says, I don't want to hear that. I said, I don't want to hear that. Okay, so I said, Mikalant Kates and Mavarach, we learned the sixth parak of Brochus. This is the guy filed him. What did you learn before that? So he's going back a year, over a year now. And I said, uh, the Erish Babakama, the first parak of Babakama. So he says, okay. He says, Zugmerain, okay. What is the argument of the two Terutsim and Tesis on Vava Mebez there? So I can, you know, listen. So I said, okay. So I said, can I take a look at it? Can I take out a Gemara take a look at it? So that was my, that was my treatment from Rav Chaim and Rav Nochem. And Baruch Hashem. I now know what, I know what, uh, <laughs> Barely. I now know what the busha of Olam Amos is. Well, having to sit there, Rav Nochem stripped me down. Actually, I went into Rav Nochem a number of times. Um, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz I was scared of because, again, you're 17 years old. You hear about how brilliant he is. He sits there, you know, like like the Sphinx, and you realize that his brain is like moving, and when, he, and when he speaks, he's so dramatic and incredible. I was so scared of him. You know, I felt he was going to burn me alive. I would see him learning with his with his Talmidim from his window, but I felt like this was like mamish. The uh, like this was kemoshim and isosamisina. Rav Nochem, I wasn't scared of, you know. Uh, but I prepared to go in to speak with him, and I went in to speak with him a couple of times about the Shir Kloli. and we I went in to speak to him about about one of the most complicated inyanim of Yevamis, which was uh, Zika. How Zika works, which is how how does the marriage connection from the first husband, who's now dead, call over to the second husband, and how these things work, and 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 the Gemara talks about is it real? What's the connection? And then again, I remember my Chavrusa. Uh, I don't want to say his name, but he was a very uh, big fan of the Ragged Shover. 
of the Ragatrover, and he had been studying the Ragatrover's farm, and he was ready to like to impress Rav Nochum with with some ideas of the Ragatrover. Ragatrover was known for his for his off the uh, off the chart brilliance. So I sat in with we sat in with Rav Nochum. And we, we presented our, our theory, presented our question, we presented our possibility from the Ragged Shavim. And Ravnachim just repeated, he says, Zika, ain't Zika meant? What does it mean? You know, because the Ragged Shavim talked about the issues of the first one and the death and how it happens. Zika means it's do a Zika, that the Zika is here. Ain't Zika, that there's no Zika, meant Zika. <laughs> and that's it. There's not any secret. And that's it. <laughs> Don't give me any of this philosophizing. That's it. Goodbye. Johnny wouldn't have liked that. Johnny would not have liked it. In fact, Johnny actually felt that uh, Rav Nochem was uh, was your typical dry, litvish, like, you know, again, and he was, but he was, he was lovable in a curmudgeonly sort of way. That was my experience in Mir. So Baruch Hashem, I have the I have the schus to give you over something from from not my Rebbe, but one of the figures that loomed large in my life of Chaim Shalevitz Zechet Sadik Kodesh Um And what part of what he brought to his Musar Shmuzim was brilliance and a way of looking at these Chazal that the typical Mashgichim had never even thought about. The typical Bali Musar Mashgichim. Um, we're happy to, to give Musr, but Rav Chaim was going to give Musr as, as a Shimon Shkop brain in ways that nobody else had actually even thought about. I'm going to give you an example right now. Let's start, let's get straight to the, 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 the kick here. Look, Simchas Teira, um, and, and again, had a history of, of, and it sort of devolved in some way, because in the time of the, um, it was actually a machlekes in the going. Let me say it better. How much do we introduce once it becomes the day that we finish the Torah? How much do we speak about Moshe's death? How much does Simchas Torah become? So, are there? Should we have piyutim about it? Should we mention it? Right. So there's actually a, a, a piyut on Simchas Torah that we say. Uh, Gary, I think you're going to like. Oh, so so I want to show you. So there's actually there's a, there's actually two of them. Um, that I want to show you. I hope it's up here. Okay. Um, history, is this it? These are the standard piyutim. This is the one everybody sings. Okay. So take a look here, please. This is the one you're talking about, right? So here's Moshe going up. Moshe is great, right? Right. Right, here it is. So tell us, Yanki. Go ahead. It's got some alochim. Here's Moshe. Moshe's having the kisei. Moshe's going up tomorrow. Moshe's going up. Right. Right. Who is it? It's Moshe. And look at all his names. He's got a bunch of names. Nasanel, Shmaya, Avisocho, Aviznoach, Tever, Yekutiel, Tovia, Yered, Avigdar. Who horrid owes Miftocha? Everybody. Moshe is great. Now, that is actually a later piyut, an earlier piyut, which is earlier than anything we have from the Kalir and Yana. It's, it's, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of the period of the Golden. It's one of the earliest poetic um, things that was that, that actually, as, and again, we all know how Simchas Torah developed. It was, it was part of the idea of how long should it take to finish the Torah. Should it take three years? Should it take one year? So when you had the, 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 the B'nai of the Bnei Bovel, who said it's going to be one year. So what are we going to do when we finish? We should, there should be a simcha. Now, the day wasn't even called Simcha's Teira. 
it was it was it was a day they finished the Torah. That that moment was called Simchas Torah. The moment that you finish, right? There was no Akafas at night. There was no even Akafas even beforehand. There was a Simcha that we finished the Torah, and there were and, and therefore, how does people intellectual people show Simcha? They write poetry and they write songs and they dance about it. But this dancing beforehand, this dancing at night, none of that was ever part of it. In fact, the day was just called the second day of Shemini Atzeres. Right, right. So now, if you take a look at this pie, sorry, Menachem. So if you take a look at this pie, take a look over here. So in this pie, it starts with the Aleph Bays. It's very similar to all the other Ashers, like the one we say after, and it could be it's the same author, the one that we say after uh, Megillah uh, Esther as well, Asher Heine, Goyim. So this Asher is Aleph. So this, this was what was said. Now, I have to say it even better. If you take a look in the earlier Sidurim, if you look in the earlier Sidurim, this was actually part of the bracha of the Haftarah. They actually inserted it into the bracha. On Simchas Torah. And in fact, they weren't so, the, many of the Goinim were not so scared about coming up with brand new types of brachas. They felt, hey, each holiday will have like its own bracha. So this was, it's not mentioned in Chazal, but hey, we're a Chazal too, right? The, the line of demarcation between, it's not mentioned in the Gemara anywhere. They were the Gemara in their mind. They were the, they were the continuers of, of, of those yeshivas. And they felt, hey, now that it's become the custom to finish the Torah here, let's, when we make the bracha on the Haftarah, let's insert something special about this. So, so here it is. So it starts with Asher. So we have Asher, Beglal, Ovois, Bonim, Gido, Bavurim, Torah, Nosan. Now it goes all the way now. It's all very fine about Moshe. Look at the men there in the middle. Mi Olo Lamorom, Mi Olo Shamayim, Mi Rot Munos That's all men, right? Here's the nun. He was the prince of princes. Now here's come Samach. Okay. He was able to, to, to remove the anger and pain. Now here's Ayan. He answered and said to the people, meaning God spoke and Moshe talked. <laughs> Here's pay. Now here comes what comes after pay. Sadi, right? Moshe is sort of like implied. So the word Moshe is a mistake. Here's the Tzadi. But he screamed and he said, I don't want to die. Kara begada beheirim kailai. Huh? He cripped his clothes. He raised his voice. Yeshua ben Nun, right? That's 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 kuf kara begadav. Yeshua ben Nun shomer na atzayni. Uh huh. Right? He says Yeshua ben Nun is going to do what? He's going to have to take care of my sheep. My flock, yes, thank you. Now it's Reish. He saw, when he came on the mountain, he turned around and he saw everybody there. And God took him up. Okay, so the um, this part of this piet was 
said during the period of the Gaonim, before Rav Amram Gaon even, that was in the 6th century, in the 7th century, and then there was a movement to say, well, we like it, but take that stuff out. So that's just a poem, a song? That's a song that was inserted into the bracha. Okay, it's because you have to go to the Tema, you have to go to the old Temani Machzorim to find it oh, still yeah? there, right? Oh, okay. If you go to some of the most the, the communities that were least affected, you'll find it was in, it was it was in those original because it's not in the in the Ruluhan. Okay, because uh, because there's two things occurred. Two two things occurred, Yankee. One thing was there was there was a there was a Hisnagdus to to having this in. Don't make the day about Moshe dying. Make it about Moshe's, the happiness that we got the Torah. Moshe's great. Moshe brings the Torah down. But this stuff about Moshe dying and that Moshe screamed, Moshe didn't want to die, don't mention that. I don't like it. That's a downer, right? Yeah, it shows he's afraid. Why is he afraid? He doesn't want to die. Well, but He doesn't want to die. So much that reminds him it's okay. He's going to be with you. Right, but but again, there was this. There there was a tradition, and it's and, and it's in. I'll get to that in a second uh, uh, about that. Can we have a couple of the Moshe didn't die? One of the ones that no. Okay, hang on. All right. So there is a Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says Vayomas Shom Moshe. So we make Xavier Shov. Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says Shom Shom, just like it says by the Har Shom. So huadin vayomasham, whatever sort of, and, and this is some, this is an idea that Shimon Bar Yochai mentions. It's also uh, basically developed by one of, and again, uh, by Philo in Alexandria, Dida Alexandria, or known Philo from Alexandria, Philo, who was this Greek religious thinker who says similar the same thing that Moshe didn't really die; he returned to the state of ecstatic um, ecstatic uh, elevation that he achieved at Harsinai. Over there he also in a way bonded with the Logos, he bonded with the, the mind of God in order to be a vehicle to transmit Torah. So his death, Shimon Bar Yochai and Philo are basically saying the same thing. So actually like. it leads to it's not real death, it's actually it's it, it's actually Virtual. Uh, uh, similar to Elijah and Enoch. <laughs> it's actually different than that. Because they sort of um, they sort of like retain uh, they retain life but they don't bond with God in that way. In other words, in other words, Moshe is still the vehicle of Torah from God. In other words, the same way. In other words, there needs to be an instrument that allows a Torah to to be transmitted to human beings. Or and he's still there in that state. Right. That, That's why we're getting Torah still. Right. That is Moses is that middle. And mo- therefore, that, 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 it can't be gone. It can't be dead. All of our lives, right? Right. right, right. So this is this is the Shimon Bar Yochai, the Zohar, he and Philo. Yeah, the Torah right. Yes, yes, you're, yeah, it's correct. So how do we make how do we make sense of the fact that he's dead and buried, and yet in so some ways still alive? Again, so he, he, so you. Folk tales. I, I wouldn't say folk tales, but I. But there's an element of truth of what you're saying. This Moshe and his death became part of Simchas Torah. It becomes part of the day that we call Simchas Torah. It was then there was sort of like a counter movement to expunge it. But then 
we find in the French schools, they reinserted it. We find that in, in Rashi's school, the, the school of the Bali of Rashi and his Talmidim, the, the, the Machzer Vitri and the others, we find that once again we are uh, dealing with um, we are we are dealing with Moshe's death to the point that in many communities there arose uh, a number of piyutim that actually almost mourn Moshe. Uh, on Simchas Torah, uh, one of the Italian writers. Uh, I'm very supposed to be happy, right? That's correct. So, right. <coughs> so, right. Then on Simchas Torah, which is what Rab David Zakut Modena, and what I hold is one of the. If you have to spend money on a, a book that sort of like can give you a little bit of everything, uh, spend money on this, which is called the Sefer. It's called Zecher David which is a, a book written in the mid-19th century, which covers the whole calendar with sources that you're never going to find anywhere else. So he actually asks this question. He says, what are we doing on Simchas Kaira? He says, I see places where they're... Here, I'll read you his, his lotion here. He says, Mashat Sarach Tam, it's a time of simcha. Why do we even, why did we even finish the Torah that ends with the death of our, of our great leader? And he says, and there's some communities that they do a zecher to avelus, they, right? They say piyutim. He says, Ma inyan shmita eitzel har sinai. He should, it's on Zion orders when he, he died. Um, so he has an answer which which I don't think is worthwhile going into at this point. But the, but what I wanted to say is that Moshe and his death hovers over this day. You can't help but 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 not be affected by it. Now, folk tales. There have been and in in we know there's something called the apocrypha. You know what that is. The, the apocrypha is actually writings that were writ, read, written and read by Jews during the period of the second Beis HaMikdosh. Some were written very early, <coughs> and they were popular books. I mean, again, you, you didn't have Kindles, and you didn't have bestsellers, and you didn't have, you know, and, and not everybody, and you didn't even have Teresh Shabalpeh written down. So what was, what was a Jew to do? So again, if you were extremely scholarly inclined and you had the right connections, so you could learn, you were allowed, according to the Rambam, to have your own little notes, but it was frowned upon. There weren't any, it wasn't like, I've got the book, you've got the book. You've got your notes, the Megillah story. But books, but there were books. They just weren't Torah books. They were stories. They were built around our heroes. Now, what makes them different than Midrashim? Well, some will say nothing. Some will say Midrashim. Who wrote them? Ah, right. But there are people who would be critical and say, well, you have this Midrash and you have this storybook. Ebenezer and others mention, when they talk about Moshe Rabbeinu's life, they mention Sfarim that describe Moshe's lost years. These are books that are considered Sfarim Chitzonim. These are books that, and as Marcus implying, they were not written by what we call Chazal, and Chazal didn't put their stamp on that. It's like the Book of Enoch. Right, exactly, like the Book of Enoch. It's not quite canonized. So, Wouldn't like Josephus be something like that? So, jo- right, so Josephus would read, where do you think Josephus got his material from? So these were books that circulated. So there is a book that's mentioned called The Ascension of Moshe in Greek, uh, and there's part of it that was discovered in the 19th, that was printed and discovered in the 19th century, but it was from, a, it was from, from, from it must have been in some 
Um, so it's written with a time with a, of what is what I'm saying? What word I'm looking for? Where the monks are, some abbey or someplace like that, okay. and 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 most of the, the the guts of the book is missing, but the guts of the book would be about what was Moshe's death like? What happened? So there was a popular <coughs> imagination that was fascinated with that. The words of the Torah themselves are starting. You know, the Moshe has to go up, go up on the mountain, and it's time for you to he die. Was still as strong as he always was. And he was still as strong, and yet he's going to die anyway. So there were definitely things there that, 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 that captured people's fascination. Besides what captured people's fascination from the words of the Torah itself, there, was, there were these popular ideas. And then we find Midrashim that are sort of like off the beaten path, the Alkut Shimoni quoting things, uh, there, is, there are things in, in Medrash Rabbah about Moshe and, 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 and his, how he doesn't want to die, how he's fighting of dying, how God has to. And I can show you where those sources are. There's one Medrash which we know comes from Chazal 100%. It, it doesn't have an influence from some sort of like storyteller. It's from the Sifrei. And this is the one that Rechaim Shmulevitz uh, really points out and it's something which you look at it, again, uh, it was pointed out to me this year by, happened to be my tenant who lives in my basement, so um, so here it is. Take a look. You probably did this when you did Parshas Hazino, but it doesn't make sense. Let's take a look. Here it is in English and Hebrew. So it's from the Sifre, you can see it up on the board. So God tells Moshe, Hashem Moshe be'etzem hayom lemor, har go up to har avarim, asher be'eretz Moab, asher yirecho, eretz kanan. You can see it, and look at Pasigimel, here's your mitzvah, Moshe, verse 50, die on that mountain. So you might, I'm, here's the Rashi. You can see it's in the English on the other side. Uh, is that where you get the saying, you're going to die on that mountain? Um, I've never heard about that. I've never heard that saying before, but... Uh, I'm wondering. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah it, it, it definitely, but sorry, the Bible is responsible for many, 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 uh, many, many sayings and images. I mean, again, you know... Um, right, so go on. Um, Lincoln said, you know, when he was asked where his education came from, he said it came from two works, from Shakespeare and the Bible. That was Lincoln's education. He says, those are the two things I needed, the Bible and Shakespeare. Of course, he was one of the most brilliant uh, and most important figures in history. So let's take a look. Three places it says etzamayomaze. You can see it on the left, the English is translated. Right? That uh, Noah was going to go into the ark right in the right in in the in the sharp light of day. Look at that language there. Now margishim might mean if we sense. Now the word regish means to feel, right? People call it regish. Remember they had a musical uh, group called regish, right? What? That Shmelki Brazil was regish, yeah. So regish, regish is to feel. Uh, hargosha in, in halacha means did you feel something right right but regish is it, it, it's 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 something internal and also physical so monomargishim both we can physically send something about noach we're not going to let him go in 
going to break the ark. We'll see. Noach, where everybody's out there, the whole community's out there, go to the Teva. Anybody can stop him, let's see him try. God's going to take us out right in the, 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 the right in the sharpness of the day. They said, If we sense them leaving, we're not letting them leave. We're going to actually take our swords out, we're going to take out our arrows, whatever weapons we have, and we will slaughter them. We still outnumber them. They're coming out. My Moshe's death too. It says, If we are margish that Moshe, I guess, is about to leave us, we're not going to let him. Why? Adam shatzianu b'mitzrayim v'kar lanu esayom v'hered lanu esamon v'igis lanu esaslov. This man who took us out of Mitzrayim, who split the sea, who brought down the mon, who was able to capture the quail, the helu lanu esabeir, and he brought back the fresh water. Well, v'nosan lanu eshateira, ainu no manichan. I say we're not going to let him die. So, as from the earliest uh, time this source has been quoted, I traced the question as early as the, the uh, 17th century, but it was probably even asked earlier, how can you compare the three cases? The first two, you're dealing with human beings with willpower who could have made a difference. Weaponry, they could kill people, they could break things. Can anyone stop God? Can anyone stop God's will? The man, right? We're talking about death here. Can can you stop death? You can't stop death. It's a battery pack inside of a person, right? They wouldn't have tried to stop him from going up the mountain. They wouldn't have tried to hold him down. I mean, what would they have tried? Uh, 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 So so this was the question. So one of the answers from David Pardon, actually the Briskarov, was said to have said this answer, but in response to another answer. But I'll go with that answer since you mentioned it. Rodovit Pardo, uh, writing, and, and, and the Briskerov gave this answer as well. The Rabbeinu Shalom said like a brisker. The Rabbeinu Shalom is going to give Moshe death, but only if he's on the mountain. So, since he, he can only die on the mountain. So if we can stop him from going to the mountain, he won't die. That was their svar. So we can physically stop him. But it's not that we can stop it. In other words, of course you can't stop God. But since God already arranged the situation, since God said this is the way he's going to die, well, he ain't going to the mountain. You already said you can't change your mind, God, because you already said he has to die on the mountain. Why can't let him go on the mountain? So they thought they could stop him. Stop him going on the mountain. That's the brisket rov's answer. So, Rochaim Shmulevitz developed a different approach. So I want to show you what I think I, I, I think he developed it in two different versions. I was Zoha Baruch Hashem to uh, know this man. I don't know if he's uh, Rav Chaim Kamil. He wrote the Sefer Imre Chaim. When I was in Mir, he was one of the great Talmud Chachamim who was sitting learning in the Kailu there. 
people would say, oh, you have a question, go ask Rav Chaim Kamil. And um, Rav Chaim Kamil was, uh, you know, a, a very brilliant man. And he considered Rav Chaim Shmulevitz his Rebbe. Take a look at the way he quotes Rav Chaim Shmulevitz's answer to this question. Avol Gabi, take a look at on the board. Gabi, Ptiras Moshe Rabbeinu, Ketzad Shayach Lisnagel Ptiras Moshe. Ptiras, my Rebbe, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz said, Shaklal Yisrael HaYechayim Lizoik. They could scream. Ulesakin Yom Tfiba LaKadosh Baruch so basically what they could do is announce we're having a Yom Tshuva, we're having a Yom of Tfila, and the same way any Gzairah can be pushed off by Tfila. And you can see, this was I thought was incredible. I don't know where Rav Chaim said it, but look at this. Kasher Shoma HaGriz Mibrisk Estirat Zeh To'an She'ein Nira Now, the, uh, the Brisk Rav was, had already died by the time Rav Chaim was giving Shmuzin. So it could be Rav Chaim was known to have said this answer, and, and, and he was much younger than the Briskarov. And the Briskarov said, that's not a good answer. The Medrash, the Sifrei, it's talking about whoever can come, whoever has koach. So the Briskarov had a different answer than the one we just said. So this answer is, tefillah can work if it's organized. And I want to show you a different version of, of this answer. Look at this. Umisbar medivrei razal. This is from Chaim Shmulevitz. Shal yidei zeh shalayim kol yisro. It's not just we're going to daven. What did it say before that? There was a recognition of what Moshe was to them. Adam shotzienu mimitzrayim. In other words, what they did was they recounted everything that had been, that they had experienced in the last 40 years. They are their parents. And they internalized it. They were margishit, right? The way they did was, it wasn't just from the past and something they'd heard about and tried to get out of their way, just eat the mun, but actually, they had actually started to think about it again, realize how crucial he had been to them, and they started actually feeling him, feeling Moshe's effect on them, and realizing how crucial it was. <coughs> and they realized that he was their, not only the person who took them out of the Mitzrayim, he's the one who gives them Olam Haza and Olam Haba, and because of that, they can stop God. Not just because of Tefillah. Listen to what I'm saying. Now we go back to that quote of W.H. Murray. Uh, okay, yeah. okay, we've got one minute. So basically, we're going to finish up here. The Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Rav Chaim, in other words, Hakaris Hatev can galvanize you to the point that you can do things that are beyond human ken. It's not just tefillah works and God changes his mind. Human beings, if they are, if, if they are, if they, if they powerfully feel something, if they, if something becomes so crucial to them that it's, it's, it's that important, then they can be massaged there, they can change the rules of the world and change the decrees of God. So the parallel story is for that message? Which parallel story? 
he doesn't die. That, that we changed it by not letting him go up on the mountain. In other words, it's not that we're not going to stop if we're going on the mountain. We are, we, we are going to, we are going to reass, we're going to assert ourselves with the power of our, it's, it's prayer, but it's desire, and it comes from physical, emotional recognition. Right. A margishima, which can actually change things. Now, Rafaim, again, do they want to come in? It's going to be two minutes. Rafaim proves this from a medrash. The Medrash says that Elisha and Eliyahu Hanavi were able to turn back the clock, were able to bring people back to life. Right. And he says the reason they were able to do that is because they felt a sense of indebtedness to the people they were staying by. Eliyahu stayed by the Isha Tsarfasis, right? He stayed by son. this woman from Tsarfas right. with the son. Elisha stayed by uh, this woman once and promised her a child and the child died. They both brought children back to life when they were in the cusp of death. And, and the Medrash says the reason is is because they sensed a hakaras atov of what they owed that person. Which means that if you feel it, really, the Medrash says, let me just finish here. The Medrash says that why didn't they do this for their own parents? If Elio, the Medrash, that's an amazing question. It's in the, it's in the email. If Elio and Alicia have the power to restore life, why when they were dying, when their parents were dying, why didn't they bring them back to life? I stood in the room when my father was dying, and I screamed at the Malach Hamavis. I said in Yiddish, Nebimnish, don't take him, I'll do anything. I tried to do what the Medrash asked, why Alicia and Elio couldn't do. It didn't work. But they could do it. So the Medrash says it couldn't work because they didn't have the same feeling to them because their parents took care of them. But someone who opens his house to you when you are a, a, a renegade, when you're someone like Elio Anovi who was persona non grata, somebody who, who I, you feel such a sense of connection to them, you're able to do incredible things. So Rechayim Shmavit says human beings are capable. Of course, feel is only the means of illustrating their desire, their holy desire, which comes from their commitment. And, oh, does providence move. It's much more than Medir Shadam Rotzaleilech. What it is, is God actually changes the whole formulation. There was a Xerin stone, you're going to die. And yeah, now, so why is it that they didn't do it then? So here, I'll just answer with the uh, principle that I saw again. Again, why didn't they do it if they had the power to do it? So... The Babich Rebbe answers this question. He actually knows, he actually thought about all these answers. And he said, ultimately, it would have undermined our existence. Because if Moshe lives, then there's a level of perfection that he brings to, to the, the world in Israel. And the things that he builds and the, the institutions that he develops, that they can never crumble. And we know Unfortunately, that the, that 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 they had to because we sinned with Avodah and and Kaddish Baruch Hu, as I've spoken about here in this class, was deciding on the day of Tisha B'Av should I destroy the Beis Hamikdash or should I destroy the Jewish people? And it was only at the end he says, "I'm going to destroy the Beis Hamikdash." That could not have happened, the Rebbe said, if Moshe goes into Eretz Yisrael and builds the Beis Hamikdash. It so, would have changed the whole trajectory. So, 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 all right. So therefore, that prayer cannot be accepted so because it's, it's, just, it's just a fun thing we yeah. do on uh, Simplest Torah to kind of be more upbeat about it. I don't understand. 
It's, it's, it's not a fable. Well, it's not a fable. It, it tells us the power of prayer, so of the potential. The poem actually could be what the Torah means, but we could have stopped Moshe's death. And that, I think, is the message. So in the end, we didn't. We didn't because it would have actually been negative to stop it. So what happened? How did it really play out? Did they try? Did some people try to stop them from going it's, to the See, it's or, or they couldn't. Just like all they right. Go into the ark. Yeah, it seems like they it's. Couldn't yeah. Stop the ark. yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. It's, in the end, it couldn't be stopped. It, but part of it is because the prayer, prayer that comes even from such a deep place, cannot run counter to the essence of, of, of the existence of the Jewish people. It could be the prayer was offered, but even if the prayer was offered properly, God couldn't accept that because it runs counter to the bigger picture of the future, right? Because if God accepts that prayer, let's Moshe live, because that's what you desire. Well, then we might not be here. Then what happens it's is that Mo- Moshe, builds this, Moshe builds this reality of, of a mishkan, which is like beyond, and it can never be destroyed, and, 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 and I think it's more than just the Mishkan being destroyed. There's a level of perfection that he puts in, similar to the Luchos, that, that, that becomes part and parcel of things that, again, there's a reason why Yoshua is the, is the leader, you know. Uh, Moshe, Mo, Moshe has his six Averos, but he has such a level of perfection that he'll bring to Eretz Yisrael that it, 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 so it he has to go. That, that, and the, he's gonna create things that are gonna be bigger than us, and we're never, and, and in a way, uh, we won't be able to to sustain so that. Hashem doesn't want that trajectory. So, right, but as we said, does that mean Moshe's death is 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 is, is a tragic thing, or is Moshe's? No, or, right? Well, I know, that's what well, I understand. Did, Why didn't he rip off his clothes and was so fearful? Oh, okay. Wasn't he, wasn't he good question. Of all the people to have all this reinforcement oh. to be at peace about. Oh, so that's a good I question. So, so other midrashim tell us that Moshe wanted. So Moshe made two arguments. One argument was. We know in the Torah it says that if a person is, 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 is does a job, he should be paid immediately. Why? Because the reason is, I, I, we should talk about that, right? You get paid, you should get paid as soon as you do the job. Why? Because you want to be able to see the satisfaction of your work. Moshe had put all those years in and he wasn't going to be able to see the satisfaction, right? Also, what Moshe wanted to do was experience Eretz Yisrael. And the Midrashim talk about how Moshe wanted to go in in some fashion. How could it be that it's all the training? I don't get to see the real life. That was part of the lesson. He was, he was the sacrifice of the lesson of to sanctify God and not... He, he got angry. His anger was forbidden. He did some... He was uh, uh, an Averos. Okay. okay. Well, we look at those Averos compared to he was like, like, the enormous... He was worshiping himself, his ego. No, I wouldn't with, say With that. anger instead of doing what he's supposed to do. Isn't that the lesson of the rock? That anger, his, his, that anger, his anger and ego became more important than taking directions and being obedient and sanctifying God in front of everybody. Okay, so again, this, so this, the rock this, became a metaphor uh, okay, for God. Okay, you, you, right. you're correct in some fashion that there is, there are a lot of very strong statements that go that that actually talk about how terrible anger are. But we know that that other prophets, including Moshe, in other places do react strongly to people. Many times, it doesn't really say he becomes angry. It says he said strong words. Give him an example. One second. We have a, again, we have a very political correct world where when we see people screaming, we all suddenly think of Mussolini and Hitler. 
in, in ancient times, seeing again, and part of it, seeing someone get upset about something has an effect. Does that mean that Moshe internally was upset? So the Rambam in Moranavuchim says that it's it, that it's okay for a leader to show anger because that's the, the same way when you say bad dog, right? When you say bad dog, right? You love that dog. But when the dog does his thing when he shouldn't be doing it, when the, if, if, if you smile and you say bad dog, so the dog never learns. Well, one second. So therefore, a leader showing anger towards people is itself a, a training aspect. And if, and if the people do wrong, they should know they did something wrong, as much as God is a loving God. Now, hang on one second. The question is, was God really angry? Now, if, if was God angry that they were asking for water? Was God angry at that point? If God was angry, then Moshe... Moses. Wait, but... Right, right. But we, right. Was God angry so could Moshe show anger? Moshe can only show anger if it's a reflection of God. If Moshe uses harsh words, we don't know what was going on in his heart. The harsh words are were probably uttered in a strong, strident fashion. The, right, but the Rambam says God didn't do that. God says give him water. Look, I know they're petty, but but in other words, Moshe is supposed to be constantly kindly talking to the rock, not getting right. But he's but more than that, he's supposed to be a barometer about God. The people love God, but they love God through the through the medium, so to speak, of what Moshe teaches them about God. So Moshe, the Rambam says, listen to this, misrepresents God in this case. Yeah, and it's not because he got angry. Getting and angry, it's sanctified. Right, it's not. It's right, not sanctified. Right, right, right. No, no. Again, that's a poor representation. Right, but that's sort of the same thing. In other words, the Rambam says, and, and this is what he writes in his, in, in the uh, uh, in his introduction to um, to the to Perkei Avos, I believe, and Shmona Prokim. He says that this he believes is the best answer because otherwise he doesn't understand why it was so terrible that Moshe should have received the punishment of not going into Israel. He says it's not because he spoke when he when it was pitting and speaking. Again, again, we know what Chazal say. The Rambam, and I'm just giving you the Rambam's take on things. That it's not anger, which is what Rashi says, and it's not um, speaking and hitting, which also Rashi adds. It's misrepresenting. You're the bad example. Mi, but, mis, no, it's misrepresenting what God is thinking at this time. Okay, he's supposed to be an instrument. There are, there, but, right, there are, but there, exercises but, right, there's other times where it would be okay for Moshe to scream, and he did. When they came back from Midian with the all the stuck. women, when God they right, right, why? Because that's not what I meant. When he, they came back from Midian, Moshe was. It says vayiktsof. The word vayiktsof means Moshe was bubbling so God over. God was a disappointed. Boy. He didn't like the way he executed that one place, it, and it really bothered God enough to I, where there was a, a a consequence. I agree, but remember what we've been. But but again, what you said before is very very important for people to hear, especially people who do have anger issues. Right? It's not about. And, and, but I I. I, I I would like to take that off the table about Moshe. I don't want to say that Moshe was like serving himself and was got was full of himself. No, he lost control of himself. That's a possibility. Again, according I to the Rambam, more innocent. He didn't, he would have rather had that pass back. It was like an interception. He'd rather have that throw back. Okay, but it was too late. That one could take that approach as I'm well. Assuming. But either way, when it's measured against, okay, look, 
Favre was through more interceptions than any quarterback, but he's still going in the Hall of Fame. He still was a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? right? So that's what happened. Okay, okay. So, so again, looking in the, in the major picture, yeah, Favre has all these interceptions. Well, he's, not the goat. He's, not the, he's not the goat status. Okay. Okay, okay. You make too many mistakes. <laughs> right. But he's still one of the greatest. Right. So Moshe Rabbeinu, in, in that way, put the six, seven mistakes there. But Moses is the goat. Because look at everything else. Right. Look how way look and beyond the of, his of, 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 of everything. Of all his deeds. Right. So therefore, even if you want to put those six things, so those... where is those, those, He's the, in that state of ecstasy, being the instrument between us and God. According he, to Bar Yochai and Philo. Israel keeps oh, living because oh. he's in that state. According to Bar Yochai and Philo, yes. So he's not even up in Shemayim. He's in a middle state. Shemayim, definitely not. But Mir Tashem should be a schluss for us. Well, and where we should, are we going to go? Are we going to go to Shemayim? What I would say, uh, just to, to put an end on this, because I don't want to go over, is that that I think what Rav Chaim Shalevitz is trying to explain to us is that I, that we, even though you know we just had a Yom Adin, we had a lot of Psokim, we had a Hoshana Rabbah, and we had a Pisgah, and this, the power of Tefillah is there. Moshe's death, in a way, and the acceptance or not acceptance, is an indicator of the fragility of life, but also the possibilities and potentials that we're able to do even beyond any xeros against us. So even though the, the din has been sealed, it is possible. And this is what Shem Shlom says. He doesn't say, so you can do it too. If you feel it strong enough, hakarasatov, this idea of, of recognizing what people are, what the reality is, to like wake up, to actually be margish something, allows your tefillahs to... Despite your faults. Uh, Right allows your tefillahs to have a power that they otherwise wouldn't have, and that's really again. Well, it's he was a ball shooter in a way, right? But he you, but you also can do that, right? Right, things. but you can do that too. And I think that's really the message well, I want to bring out. That is the message, and that's a powerful that one. That he came from. Yeah.